Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. How would you know that something is a genuine move of God? How would you know that? Um, if you're not a Christian like that, it's a foreign concept to you. But if you are a Christian, you, you would have heard someone talk about or someone pray for, oh, just praying for a move of God in our time. Man, I, I prayed that prayer since I was a, a, a young guy, a move of God. And, and if you who are Christians could recognize that something was a genuine move of God, would you actively join it? Which seems like a crazy question, right? Like if you think that I'm a Christian and God's moving in a place or an area or something, that I even need to ask the question like it should be rhetorical. Because of course the answer is God's moving, I'm in the vicinity, of course I'm in if I'm a Christian. But of course we know that's not the case. Even across scripture, we know that's not the case. There's probably, you know, one of my favorite moves of God is in the book of Nehemiah, and they build a wall. It doesn't sound very spiritual, but it served a spiritual purpose. And they build a wall, and, and of course, Nehemiah turns up talking to the people. He says, hey, I want you to know that, you know, God's been moving, and God gave me favor with the king, and, and uh, this, this work needs to happen. We're lying in ruins, but let's rise and build together. And we know that somewhere, yeah, we're in, but others gave their reasons why they were out. Imagine being right in the middle of God on the move and opting out. If I'm a Christian, that's insane. Now, if you're not a Christian, you might just think I'm insane. That's okay too. But God moves. God's got a long history of moving. He's moved all through history. The God of the Bible is a God who has his plans and purposes that he works in and through people to get done what he wants to get done on the earth. I think that's an incredible idea that God would actually be actively involved in bringing to pass his plans and purposes in and through you and I. What a great idea. Um, And so today, how would you know that something is a genuine move of God? And if you could recognize it, would you actively join it? Ezra chapter 1, four signs of a move of God today, four signs of a move of God. Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 to 7, um, coming on the screen. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, um, the Lord fulfilled prophecy he had given through Jeremiah the prophet. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout his kingdom. Now, just context, 150 years earlier, the prophet Jeremiah has put down on paper for all of humanity, if they're interested, to see that God has made a a prophecy that he is going to raise up a leader called Cyrus who will build an empire who will do what we're about to talk about. 150 years early earlier. Cyrus, they say, the historians say that Cyrus knew about this, that Cyrus was familiar with the text. And when he came to power and when his empire began to rise, that he knew that the God of the Bible had said 150 years earlier that this would happen and that a Cyrus, it names the name, would rise. And so Cyrus is familiar with with, um, the whole thing. And it says, he stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout his kingdom. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says, the Lord, the God of heaven, 
has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. I mean, he didn't know. There's a few he didn't have, like Australia. He appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem in Judah to rebuild the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives in Jerusalem. Again, we're not sure that he lives there, but that's how he understood it. And may your God be with you. Wherever this Jewish remnant is found, let their neighbors contribute towards their expenses by giving them silver and gold, supplies for the journey, and livestock, as well as a voluntary offering for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Then God stirred the heart of the priests and of the Levites and the leaders of the tribe of Judah and Benjamin to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And all their neighbors assisted by giving them articles of silver and gold. They were cashed up, supplies for the journey and livestock. They gave them many valuable gifts in addition to all the voluntary offerings. King Cyrus himself brought out the articles that King Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the Lord's temple in Jerusalem and had placed in the temple of his own gods, and he gave them back. And what we see here in this passage of Scripture is a genuine move of God, and we see the principles contained here over and over again um, through Scripture, especially the Old Testament. Four signs of a move of God, four signs that God is up to something, that God is doing something, that he's at work. Um, Number one is God moves the heart. God moves the heart of a, of a person for purpose. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put the proclamation in writing and to send it throughout the kingdom. Cyrus, at this time, King Cyrus, known as Cyrus the Great um, by historians, was the only person on the planet who could have made this happen. He's the only one. But Cyrus could make something happen, and God moves Cyrus's heart. And, and so this starts, to, this starts to build. The famous first century historian um, Josephus said this, The reason Cyrus acts in the way he, we see here is that he was familiar with the Bible passage of Isaiah, which has a, was a prophecy said to be written and in circulation 150 years before Cyrus ascent to the throne. Four signs of a move of God. Um, number one is that God moves the heart of a person, of a leader, of, a, of someone who he's moving to get something, something done. And he, he's used people right across time. He, he used, as we talked about, he used Joseph and he used Moses and he used uh, Joshua and he used Nehemiah and he used Esther and he used Daniel and he used David and he used Saul and he used Solomon and he used, uh, right through history, he used the Apostle Paul and you move down through the ages and he's used and used and used and used and used, a man or woman of God. Some of them are kings, some of them are emperors, some of them are blue collar workers, some of them are government officials, some of them are warriors, some of them are peasants, all kinds of people from all walks of life, every ethnicity we can think of that names the name of Jesus, God has used through history to bring about moves of God. There's a famous um, evangelist who is now passed away called Reinhard Bonnke. Anyone ever heard of Reinhard Bonnke? 
Well, Reinhard Bonnke was a German, and Reinhard Bonnke had a vision of, he describes it this way, a blood-covered Africa. Now, that's a weird statement, but what he meant was the blood of Jesus, which was shed for the sins of the world, impacting a continent. Well, you might not have ever seen it, but there are literally, um, there are literally photographs of millions of people gathered to hear that man preach. Millions, as far as the eye can see, a sea of humanity to hear Reinhard Bonnke preach the gospel. God will speak to a person and stir up something where he is moving in small ways and in big ways, on global scales and local scales. And that's what he does. He moves the heart of someone. And whenever we see a God-raised, God-anointed, God-prompted person move with a God-appointed purpose. We should at least just watch this space. Just take note, just watch this space and see what's going on. Four signs of a move of God. That's number one. Number two is this, God-given favor. God-given favor on a person, people, plans and purposes. Listen to Ezra again. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem in Judea and rebuild the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives in Jerusalem, and may God be with you. King Cyrus himself brought out the articles, you know, we read about that. Nebuchadnezzar, God-given favor for God-appointed purpose. And, and you'll always see, or you'll, you'll usually see, God-appointed purpose. At some point, if God is moving, there will be favor that we can't manufacture. And it's favor that changes things. It, 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 it makes things happen. Acts chapter 7, verse 10. And he rescued him from all his troubles, and God gave him favor before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God also gave Joseph unusual wisdom. Genesis 39, 21. The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. 1 Samuel 2, 26. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with God or favor with the Lord and with people. And, and it goes on and on and they, there's just so many. Favor. The favor of God changes things. The favor of God um, in, in a person's life on a purpose that God is in. We, when you can see favor going on, you can be sure that God is up to something. Um, I mentioned Billy Graham again and the black and white image we showed um, last week and uh, this full crowd at a venue here in Australia, the largest crowd that's ever gathered in Australia is at the MCG, not for a football game, not even for Ashes cricket, um, but for a Billy Graham crusade in 1959. I love that stat. And... Uh, the truth is that in, I think it's 1949, Billy Graham is doing some crusades, some gospel tent meetings in the city of LA in the United States. And he's coming towards the end of that time and it's gone kind of well. And at the end of that time, William Rudolph Hearst, if you know, he is the um, most famous media um, um, person from the first half of the 20th century. He was the Rupert Murdoch of the first half of the 20th century. Rupert, um, um, William Randolph Hearst never met Billy Graham and he definitely was not a Christian. But William Randolph Hearst one day sends a one-line telegram to all his media outlets across America. Blow up Billy Graham. Blow up Billy Graham. And from that moment, all of his outlets across the United States began to profile Billy Graham. And of course, for the next half a century, Billy Graham preached the gospel about Jesus to more people than any person in the history of the world. God appointed purpose and God-given favor. Now, when we see God-given favor on a thing, 
we want to take note that God is up to something. Number one, God will appoint a person. Number two, you, you'll be able to see God-given favor. And, and just as a side note, some of you know favor on your life. Some of you have known what it's been to have favor. Um, my brother, now I'm doing one of those stories off the cuff, just so you know. My, my brother had something happen to him a bunch of years ago. And my dad, who's not a Christian, said to my brother, um, I don't get it. You and your brothers, meaning me, him, and our third brother. He said, I know God's real because I see favor on your lives. I can see it. He said, but this makes no sense. And my brother said to my dad, just watch and see, dad. Just give it time. Just give it time. And I won't bore you with the story. That's quite miraculous. But that's the power of favor. My dad could already see it, but in the very near future, God turned up again with favor on it, on, on, on purpose. And so as a side note, if there's favor on your life, remember we steward to steward favor faithfully. If you feel like there's just an incredible grace on your life, remember that our job is to steward it faithfully and that stewarding favor well requires unceasing humility. One of the challenges, some of us will know the high profile cases, one of the challenges with God-given favor is that you can tell yourself in the end that somehow this was you or that you should have a piece of it, that you should leverage it in some way, even if it's small. But God-given favor requires unceasing humility. When, when God's at work in your life, you know, like Steph's up here before and, uh, you know, the two best worship leaders, because we do rate them, the two best worship leaders in the church are clearly Steph and myself, like out of the park, anointed when we lead worship, just powerful. And uh, you've never seen me do it, but I can assure you it's so incredible. It's so powerful. It's awful. It's awful. It did happen once a long, long time ago. It was very bad. The reality is that that gift, not favor, on Steph's life, it's not hers to demand. It's hers to steward. And the same as with a gift, so is favor. If there's favor on your life, we just want to live with unceasing humility uh, because the, the, the vulnerability of favor is actually to become arrogant. And I've observed this. The vulnerability when there's favor on your life or a purpose or what God's doing is to then become arrogant and leverage it in some ways. I, I, if, if this is you today, if you know there's favor on your life, think of Joseph. Joseph in the Bible. What I love about Joseph, I remember being like 21, 22 and reading and going, God, I want to one day be like Joseph. The thing about Joseph was that God could trust him with any platform, any person, anything, anytime. Joseph was not going to leverage it for his glory or to his advantage or to anything in any way except what God had placed in his hands for, Dave, for Joseph to steward on God and people's behalf. I'm like, oh God, I want to be that man and if you pray that prayer you're going to have some pain but I'm still pray that prayer I'm still like God I want to be that person where favor could be on your life in a way that God knows it's just going to pass you're just going to steward it to where it needs to go you know this morning if there's favor on your life you sense it let's really ensure that we live with unceasing humility because we we you me us we're vulnerable in that space. So that's number two is God-given favor. And can I be honest with you? I think, I think our church, 
has been, is, and will be a church with favour on it. Like, we were saving for a building and then something happens that puts the building next door in our hands a bunch of years ago. No debt. And um, I know. And we're praying about Gyra. And then the church in Gyra rings us and says, hey, would you guys like to take on our church? And Bron and I wanted to go to Gunnedah, but we didn't want to just ruin the church that was there. And the church in Gunnedah rings us and said, hey, would you take on our church? And the church in Armidale had imploded and... Um, I prayed because I thought, because of my other roles, I thought I can't, I can't go to them and go, should let me, I could, I could probably turn this around. Like imagine saying that, they'd be like, oh, you're awesome, mate, please leave. And, and our national president rang and said, hey, Darren, we, will the chapel think about, or well, we won't call the chapel then, t- taking this church on? And I'm like, yeah. And Bendy, similar story, said, it's favor. We're not that clever. We're not that smart. We don't need another thing to do, maybe. But when there's favour on a thing, and I think there's that kind of favour on us as a church and on our future, and some of you are running businesses and things, and as you put God first, there's just favour on it. The work of your hand has favour on it. The sphere where you are has favour on it. But it's a sign. It's a sign. Number two is God-given favour. Where's God on the move? You will at some point see God-given favour, things we can't get done coming to pass, things we can't make happen, landing in your hand, things like that. Number three is God rallies the willing. Four signs of a move of God. Three, God rallies the willing. I'd love to be able to say there that God rallies the Christian. But we know we can't. Because there are Christians that God won't allow him to rally. God rallies the willing. God then stirred, it says, then God stirred the heart of the priests and Levites and leaders of the tribe of Judah and Benjamin to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of the Lord. Interestingly, he didn't didn't ask everyone to go and God didn't rally the heart of everybody at this time. Um, But he does rally the willing. He does rally the hearts of people. It was a... Something God's doing, you'll find that people's hearts are responding. People will pop up. People will turn up. Uh, and this is always the way. God rallies the hearts and minds of people to join what he is up, up to. And I love that. And, and there's nothing quite like it when God is rallying people and you have no idea. And then pop up, they come. And you're like, well, how did that happen? Where did they come from? God rallies the hearts of people. And... Um, May he always have yours and may he always have mine. Thank God for, like, even around here, thank God for the incredible, like, I don't know, a couple hundred people that volunteer here over the course of four, every four to six weeks, whatever it is. Just incredible. God rallies the heart of the willing. God rallies the heart of the willing. And we thank God that he does. May you and I always be the willing. May our hearts always be responsive to what he is doing because it is a rare privilege if you ever get the opportunity to be in the proximity of a move of God that he is doing. That is a rare opportunity that not everybody gets. May we continue to be and always be those who God can rally. Four signs of a move of God. Number four, God releases his resource. And I put in bracket, his resource in the hands of people. And uh, uh, whatever you and I have according to scripture, is ours to steward in his service and to enjoy, etc. It says this, and all their neighbors assisted by giving them articles of silver and gold and supplies for the journey and livestock. They gave them many valuable gifts. 
in addition to all the voluntary offerings, King Cyrus himself, when we read that, even he brought something. And, and what we see here, this, this here, this is a theme that we see threaded through Scripture um, where you see um, like renewal and revival and restoration or return to God. You often see this, this outpouring of generosity from God's people in time and rally and energy and in their resource, an outpouring of generosity. And so, but where do you see it? Where do you see those four things going on? God stirs the heart of a leader. God rallies his resource. God rallies his people. And there's favor on it. Because where you see that going on, there you have the dynamics involved in a move of God. And I want to close with this because in Nehemiah chapter two, that's what Nehemiah's got. He's been looking in the city of Jerusalem and, and it's in ruins and, and, and these stories are connected, Nehemiah and Ezra. And, and Nehemiah, this government official who gets stirred in his heart about restoring the, the, the city wall, which was, you know, the military kind of defense for them. And he gets stirred about this idea. And so the first thing he does is he prays and the second thing he does because he's got connection to the king he goes to the king and asks for favor he's like if well god if you're in it you're going to open up the resource from the king himself and so that's what he does he goes to the king and the king shows him favor and nehemiah is now like okay maybe this isn't just me stirring this up maybe this is god on the move and so then we come to this point where he says this to the first group of people involved he says then i said to them you see the trouble we're in jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire come let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I told them about the gracious hand of God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied. And this is where I want to wrap today. Because where do you see God at work and on the move? And where you see that happening I just want to bring you to where Nehemiah brought them. And it says, and they replied. Seeing the indicators of a God-appointed person and God-given favor, now they're at the point of rallying his people. They've already got resource, rallying his people. And it's going to come down to that. And he's like, how do you reply? And they said, let us rise and build. And so in your life and in mine, where we see God at work or sense that he might be, many of you have said in areas of your life, maybe even here at church, you've already said your reply. You're like, yeah, I'm just, I'm in God. If you're on the move and at work, I'm in. And so I want to leave you that question today and go, if you see it or when you see it, may you and I be the kinds of people that go, you know what? I'm in. I want to be part of a move of God in the days that I live. And I can tell you that it is one of the great things you can do with your life is to position it in a way that we are part of a move of God in our days that has God's grace on it, His favor all over it for a purpose greater than us that we could never bring to pass in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right, why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray. Then he, she replied, Heavenly Father, thank you for every person here. Lord, whenever people are gathered in church, the assumption is that their heart is for you. 
and say, we're a room, Lord, whose hearts are to, of people whose hearts are towards you and for you. And all of us at various stages of that journey. And so God, I come and commit everybody to you that you'd be wonderfully leading each person. And may your peace be upon each heart and mind. And may you graciously and mercifully lead each of us, God. And I pray, Lord, also that, Lord, we, we want to be part of the move of God in our days. Lord, part of something that could only be you, that results in salvation for people, change families, transform circumstances, Lord, favor on people's lives, eternity secured. We want to be part of that kind of move, Lord, what it is you're doing in the earth. So Lord, today we just say, here we are. Open our eyes to see any move of God that is actually you. And Lord, help us for faith to rise in us that our reply would be, yes, Lord, we're in. Let us rise and build in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.